0: Hello and welcome back to Take 97, a film podcast with me, your host, David Ingram. Today's episode is a special collaboration episode with a fellow film podcast. I was going to say podcaster, but in this case, I am actually joined by two lovely ladies who run a very witty, very strange, very crazy, wild podcast that is known as Film Fluence. I'll let them speak about that in a little bit more detail in a second, but yeah, so as I've just given them such a very witty introduction there, <laughs> We might as well just get to introducing them straight away. First of all, we have Kiati.
1: Hello.
2: <laughs> Thank you so much for having us, David.
0: That's no problem. And her fabulous co host, Cody.
2: Hello.
0: He's probably the more chill of the two of them, but let's <laughs> definitely. We're we're all friends here, it's all good So guys, welcome to the podcast, it's an absolute pleasure to have you guys on board Just a brief little thing to everybody who's a bit like, who the hell are these two? Did he just drag them off the street? (laughs) Basically, he definitely did did. Yes, (laughs) No. on a serious note guys, it's a pleasure to have you on I've listened to your podcast since you reached out to me Can you just each tell me a little bit about yourselves and the podcast, how you got starting with that?
2: Yes I'm Cody, I'm 19 and we kind of just decided to do um, a podcast because we both have an interest (laughs) we both have an interest in going into the film industry or you know working in that area but we kind of felt a bit inactive in lockdown because there was nothing to do so to keep us thinking we decided to start one.
0: And Kiati, what about you? How, How do you how did you feel about starting the podcast with uh with Cody? Like how do you know each other?
1: so um me and Cody met through this film course that we were doing together which we're actually doing an episode on very soon which is really great and we're getting our whole team back together whole I'm saying whole (laughs) (laughs) there's some people we're gonna be missing um but yeah we met on there and coincidentally we both were from the same place nobody else was. me and her were only the two from the same place so I sat down with her and she mentioned a few names that I knew and I just basically blacked out my whole life story (laughs) (laughs)
2: like 15 minutes like into like we literally were like sat down for like five minutes having lunch and we just decided to like tell each other all our problems
1: <laughs> we figured out we're basically the same person the difference is she's calmer mm. than me and I'm the crazy manic one but yeah in terms of starting the podcast um so I messaged her and I was like Cody I, th- I think we should do this I think we're perfect together let's just do it and she's like you know what let's just do it and that's basically how we started
0: <laughs> I mean there's no better way to start really I mean to be honest I'm like you guys podcasting has really sort of brought out that expansive conversation and it's just nice Mm -hmm. to have like-minded people like yourselves reach out and say, do you fancy doing an episode together? And that's the whole reason I've got you guys here. I mean, we literally could have talked about anything today. The the, the topic of today's episode is very, like we could have done so many things, but you'd already covered so many things that I loved. So I was like, what are they gonna like that we can talk about that's fresh and new, or at least vintage in some respect, that's fresh and new to everybody else's ears. But today's episode is based around a 1990 film directed by Tim Burton. We had discussions about this before, Edward Scissorhands starring Johnny Depp, Winona Ryder, Vincent Price, just to name a few people out there. And I genuinely think you guys, based on your podcast, I've listened to some of your episodes. Anyone who hasn't listened to them, go and listen to them now because they're really good. But if you do listen to any of them, you'll notice that they love a bit of the 90s. Edward Scissorhands, even though it's literally only just in the 90s, it kind of fits Mm -hmm. the bill. And also I hear you guys are I mean, can I say that you're thinking of doing an episode on one of the people in in this film? Am I allowed to give that as a little clue to the listeners? I am planning to be on their podcast at some point. So you will get to hear my Dulcet Tones film fluences or you fans out there of film fluence. I get to guest on their podcast. I'm such it's such an honor. And we will be discussing the one and only Johnny Depp a little bit more widely than we are today, but that is going to be an interesting conversation. It's going to be very fun. But just to get straight to the point with this, Johnny Depp, he plays Edward Scissorhands, this freakish Frankenstein kind of character. Uh, he's literally the almost a perfect recreation of a human. The only thing he's missing, as you can tell by his name and the film's title, is he's missing a pair of hands. Uh, he's just got a load of Scissors for hands, which, to be honest, you know, it's not bad. You can do lots of things and the film does explore that. But at the same time, it's a little bit dangerous and a little bit risky. And I don't think Vincent Price really thought it through before he uh, before he decided to uh, leave that as the last thing to put to put on. He could have left his head as the last thing or anything else but the hands. But no, the hands were the last thing to go on. I mean, what, what do you guys think about the bizarre concept of this film?
1: We were actually just talking about that as well so I think oh it's really hard as well because we thought about so much about it as well I feel like when I was watching it I don't want to give away too much because we're obviously going to get into this later when I watched it as a child Cody actually hadn't watched it before but when I watched it as a child I was exposed to it quite like early and so I feel like for me the concept was really cool it was like Frankenstein like right you Frankenstein was obviously put together by an inventor as well and this was a whole invention and so seeing someone with scissors his hand it's like wow amazing but you you rewatch it and you're like oh I never put two and two together and so now that I watch it I'm like yeah it's cool he had scissors in his hands but is it really that cool like <laughs> seeing the scars on his face you know and the fact that he was constantly exploited um, there were a lot mm. of questions there
0: yeah, so many questions. What, what about you, Cody? Obviously, you've just been exposed as someone who mm. hadn't seen Edwards's hands see until it. you were exposed to it by your your fellow film fluencer. But what would you say <laughs> your first impression of the film was? What did you get from it when you first watched it? Just basic first impressions.
2: Well, I'd always like heard of it when I was younger. I just always thought it was never like... My style because I used to just watch like I don't know rubbish. <laughs>
0: please na- <laughs> please no- name some of the rubbish that you that, that you cite here. <laughs> if you say
2: brats, please say brats. Actually, <laughs> brats films like high school musical films. Like I would just kind of stick to like. What Bor- oh, it was
1: Barbie the princess and the pauper?
2: <gasps> <gasps> no, that's my favorite one. I used to watch that all the time. But no, I actually I enjoyed it more than I would have thought. but I think it comes with the, the fact that I do love I love Winona Ryder so much oh, and johnny's yes. there but i know i didn't i don't know i could see how when i was younger or like if you're young you think oh no it's really cool like that he has this like i don't know what you would call it he has these hands that are like scissors and stuff but it's the way i explain things but <laughs> that wasn't the concept that really like i don't know how to explain it but when i was younger when i would hear edward's scissor hands, i would never think oh he has like oh my god that's so weird he has like scissors on his, hand. scissors
1: his hands I, yeah.
2: Uh, yeah i just <laughs> i just thought like Push away to the side But after watching it I quite liked it But I was more so Like Yati said Focused on You know him as a character And the way he was Like exploited Mm -hmm. And treated By everyone
0: When you look into Because it's like any film Really Like any film You can say Oh I love that film And like Especially one that you've watched When you were younger And you got Mm -hmm. that young Perspective of Oh it's a really cool film I don't know whether You guys know Of the 90s It's a guilt I say guilty pleasure It's not really I love it There's a film called Return to Oz From the 1980s I've watched that Cody, if you haven't watched it, please watch I it because it. it's, it's, you know, you should definitely watch it because it's, I don't know, it's one of those ones that I watched when I was a child and it's really creepy. I watch it now and I, I think that is sadistic.
1: I said that about the original one as well. Yeah. The Wizard of Oz is as well.
0: Yeah. Sorry to no. interrupt. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I mean, I just think so many child. Well allegedly child friendly films They've all got that darkness to them Really mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at their heart I mean most of the time it's because they're fairy tales And obviously most fairy tales Have come from the Brothers Grimm Or something along the lines of the Brothers Grimm Line of source material So Return to Oz, if you guys Obviously you've, you've seen it, you haven't Cody I just think that that is Very much like Edward Scissorhands The effect that we've all sort of felt with it That it's a weird fantasy And a, you know, it's a it, there's a bit of romance Hanson there. It's a, it's a nice bit of soppy love story here and there. But I just, he's very, really harsh in terms of an abusive relationship between someone who's othered. And I, and I do think when you look deep into Edward Scissorhands, I know lots of people are for you thinking, why are you looking so deeply into this film? I do think that it is a great way to look at how othering is used But in a less conventional way So you can apply so many different ideas to it But Edward Scissorhands is taken advantage of I like how I call him Edward Scissorhands I don't think his last name is Scissorhands But (laughs) it's implied that it is (laughs) For anyone who doesn't know the film We are going to spoil it here If you haven't watched it, pause us now Watch the film, we highly encourage you to do that So Johnny Depp is Edward Who has Scissorhands It's not his last name And then he gets uh, picked up So there's an Avon lady Which I'm not going to lie, I don't know about you guys but I always thought Avon was a British thing growing up oh, I me thought too it, i did yours. as well
2: so like, wait is that the avon that, that... we know
0: oh, yeah yeah <laughs> like i guess the trailer because i i my first sort of memory of this film is i saw the trailer for it on a vhs tape of home alone the first home alone and mm-hmm. it's a really creepy really atmospheric trailer and you get i think mean, i don't know whether i say her name correctly but diane weist uh, who plays peg boggs the lady who's the avon lady you just hear her going Avon calling in in this Shh. echoey chamber of this castle that we find Edward in. And I have such a very vivid memory of that trailer and her going, Avon calling, and me just thinking, oh, wait, this is American, but they've got Avon in America. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so it follows that lady Like I said, Peg Boggs, very strange Last names, this is all like a Tim Burton Like sort of Americana Very squeaky mm-hmm. clean white picket fence Kind of situation, you literally have White picket fences and these toy town A bit like, I don't know if you guys have seen it, Like the fourth, it's not brilliant, but the fourth Indiana Jones film where he goes to That nuclear test site where they blow up the town, it looks like that fake town At the beginning of Indiana Jones 4 Where mm-hmm. it looks so artificial Yet you know it's real because everyone's mm-hmm. yeah yeah. dead seriously then so you see her take edward under her wing because he's been I don't know, not left for dead, but left to fend for himself after his creator, played by the brilliant Vincent Price, dies of a heart attack and just keels over right in front of him before he can give him those perfect hands. Which I I, I, I want to ask you guys, there's a scene where there's his hands are literally on the side. Was there no way of Edward getting his hands to attach? He managed to attach scissors to his hands, but not the hands that were on the side. Like, wh- <laughs> like wh- what were you thinking about that?
2: I found like, that so weird. Why would the found, scissors the first resort?
1: <laughs> exactly. Like you could have put anything in, right? Like you could have put spoons, you could have put forks, but no, you you literally put in scissors. And they were really big and sharp as well. Like why were they so big? <laughs> there were so many too. <laughs> He just found 10 scissors, 10 pairs of scissors, just lying around.
0: Casually, casually. That's, you know, casual, like, as you do, my master's dead. My hands are just over there. But do you know what? I really fancy a pair of scissors as hands <laughs> or, or or about 10, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> and the worst yet. part
1: was like, they had more as well, because Kim pulls them out at the end. There were more scissors. Why were there so
0: many scissors? You mentioned Kim brilliantly, which is segue, which will segue nicely into what I want to bring up in terms of characters. So obviously, I've mentioned Johnny Depp, Vincent Price. Vincent Price is a vintage actor. He's been in lots of classic black and white films, so film noirs. I think he's in he's a film called Laura. In anyone who knows the Michael Jackson song Thriller, you will know his voice from the little well, they call it quote unquote rap, the little spooky voiceover that's vincent price on that for anyone who knows that i actually
1: didn't know that yeah thank you (laughs) for that
0: no it's yeah genuinely it's yeah he's the voice of that and when you know that and you listen, you listen to the track But then you watch films with him in it You're like how did I not see that Because it, it's such a very velvety smooth voice that he has He's only such a small part He's always in flashbacks But Winona Ryder You mentioned the character of Kim uh, So is, she's the daughter of Peg Who is the lady who takes Edward under her wing Winona Ryder just, Can you guys explain why you love Winona Ryder Because you did touch on it a second ago That you really liked So Cody particularly mm-hmm. you, and, you love Winona Ryder I too do love a bit of Winona Ryder for many different reasons, of course, because there are other films that I've loved her for. But this one, I think, does stand out as, like, one of her big ones, to be honest. What What is it you love about her performance in this or just Winona Ryder in general?
2: I just... I love her as an actress. I think she, I think her facial expression is great. And do you know what I really loved? Okay, because obviously I've only, I only watched Edward Hands* very recently and I saw Winona Ryder in Stranger Things first. Mm -hmm. Not like first ever, but like before this. Um, And it's funny because like I saw like the way that like her character Kim was reacting was like so similar. It kind of mirrors Joyce in Stranger Things. I thought it was so cool. She's still acting and I don't know, I just respect her a lot. No, so my opinion is actually not that
1: similar, which is odd. (laughs) Me and Cody usually have quite similar opinions. So for me, Winona Ryder, okay, I know this might be, this is going to be so controversial. I know this is one of her, like, pop movies. I think this is one of her worst acting pieces.
0: Oh, interesting. I can't lie to you. Why why Um, would you say that?
1: Because, have you seen Girl Interrupted?
0: Yes, I have. yes. Yes.
1: Her acting in that is incredible. Like it her is. pairing with Angelina Jolie, I think they work perfectly together. And I think she and Johnny Depp, I will always have this soft spot for them considering, you know, that they parted and they still can talk about each other with such respect. I think that's amazing. And I do, I think they're aesthetically pleasing as well. Just, just my opinion. But I do feel like when I see her and things like even, I know Cody said that, her acting is kind of mirrored in Stranger Things. Like you see a lot of the same actions and that might be true, but I feel like her acting now is so much better like when I saw Joyce I felt the emotions that Joyce felt whereas I felt so disconnected from Kim both as a character when I was watching it I couldn't I knew she was acting that's one of the biggest things for me when I'm watching a film I like it to be seamless and transparent and that wasn't present for me with her in this film I just feel like I've seen her do so many better things and so many better pieces like Heather's Heather's was amazing you know so when you see her in movies like that and then you see her in a movie like
0: this i was like
1: "Mm, i think she's got better
0: stuff to be honest i whilst i'm not actually i'm not just agreeing with you for the sake of it i do actually agree like whilst i do love winona rider in pretty much anything she's in because i just i think she's lovely she's she's brilliant she's a very diverse talent she has a Mm -hmm. great range i will agree that this is not one of her best films but like we say, the reason why we bring this film up mainly is because it is something iconic to her and it's something that people still remember her for. And like you say, Cody, the way Stranger Things plays on roles that she used to play and she adds little motifs of her own previous work into the film itself. It just I just think it it's a nice nod. But like Kiati says, I do think that, you know, this isn't her best performance. I personally love Heather's. Heathers is one of my top films of like ever. There are so many other films that I do enjoy and that I've mentioned on my Instagram page. I've mentioned on other episodes. But I do think that Heathers is really, because it is Winona Ryder's film, even though you got Christian Slater in there, Winona Ryder is the star of that film. And she has that rawness of her youth really in that. I think because Edward hands is kind of like midpoint of her career, that's why I think we get that mixed sort of sense of Mm, it's not really good but it is kind of good you know people enjoy it but it's not the best thing out there kind of thing would you Mm -hmm. would you what would you say
1: I agree I feel like obviously we have seen her in better things but I wouldn't say this is like the worst thing ever like I've, I've definitely seen worse performances from other people so I mean she's incredibly talented as you mentioned and with her diverse acting range I feel like perhaps this was a role that was meant to be more normal And I feel like sometimes it's harder to act in more mundane roles when you do something so extravagant, because Mm. when you're acting extravagantly, you know, you're taking on and personifying a person, you're you're just becoming a whole different thing. Whereas when you're doing a role that's more mundane, you are kind of trying to reenact something that would happen in real life with those same emotions. But sometimes it's harder to articulate on screen, especially when you're not
2: connected to that character, I would say.
0: Yeah. What would you say, Cody?
2: I think oh, I don't know it's hard because I feel like it was it's kind of what Kiati was just saying it's like she's like kind of like the mundaneness of the role like I felt like there was I don't want to say there wasn't as much emotion but I feel like there was some scene like she's kind of to be fair though no, because she was quite like angry as well but I felt like there was a lot of anger and like it would feel like it's quite serious which I feel like we see quite a lot from Winona Ryder but I just feel like I wasn't necessarily like, moved by her performance or anything, whereas in Stranger <laughs> Things or in more recent things, I feel a lot more like touched because I can really feel it. But mm-hmm. in in this, I, I kind of was just like, uh, I don't know. That's how I feel yeah,
0: <laughs> you're, 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 I think I think what you're trying to say there is that you're sort of left a little bit like meh. By yeah, it. like yeah, it's just, it a, just a like... like just to sum it up simply that you're a little bit mm-hmm. not a little bit underwhelmed a little bit kind of like you're not getting as much emotion then shall we say because to be yeah. honest me with me I personally think the character of Kim she's an absolute cow mm-hmm. she, she is she is horrible like I you am. know and I think in terms of Tim Burton's direction whilst I do love the production design and you know Johnny Depp is does a great job in his performance as the sort of mindless in a way and very mm-hmm. sweet and innocent innocent edward as the frankenstein style monster i would say that i don't know it, it's because it feels there's something missing the film is only about 90 minutes long or something yeah um, it's not too long i just i feel like there's something missing in the middle like because you go from naught to 100 with kim i feel with mm-hmm. Kim, That's she goes from saying. being really horrible and like oh i hate him just
1: suddenly falling in love with her. <laughs>
0: We start the film off with old Kim, although we don't really know it, but we start off with her talking to, I think it's her daughter or granddaughter or something, a bedtime Mm. story. And this is a story of Edward Scissorhands. And we learn ultimately the story behind her sadness. She does a Titanic on us essentially.
2: I literally said that. There's <laughs> such a parallel,
1: isn't there?
0: Even though this film came first, it does a total Titanic on us where it was like, it was 90 years ago. <laughs> it was so sad. And I remember when he was young and I was young, but he's still young and I'm still poor, uh, like, still sort of after him and confused about my feelings for this man with scissors for hands. But. <laughs> Considering, you know, she goes from being an absolute utter cow and hating him to being really knee deep in love with him. Mm. I don't believe it personally. I think no, you guys are getting neither. that as well.
2: Yeah, I feel it's, like it's shallow. I feel like it was something in all well, because it kind of started when she was kind of. And I think he had the same effect on the whole like town as well. When everyone saw his like gardening and like, oh, he can cut hair as well. That's when everyone started sort of. I don't know he became very like loved and held in high regard but I feel like for her it was when she asked him to do something for her and he did it and then she's like wow I thought it was like, out of guilt
1: I know I actually mm. thought it was out of guilt because when they left him behind
2: do you know when yeah. you feel
1: so guilty for doing something for someone that you have to like you repent it and like it's you like pay
2: overcompensating for it? I feel like yeah Please.
1: yeah um and so her overcompensation was literally like Oh, I'm so in love with you. I'm sorry for leaving you behind. But then she goes and leaves him behind again. So, Kim, what was going through your head? What was going through your head?
0: Let's just say she's... She's depicted as a disturbed teenager. I mean, this is the second time that Winona Ryder's played a disturbed teenager in a Tim Burton film. The other Mm -hmm. one being the likes of Beetlejuice, where she's like Mm -hmm. punk rocker Kim, sort of goth Kim, Uh, even though her name's not Kim. But I feel like it should be Kim because they're basically the same character. One's got like a, a lighter tone and a little bit more of that corny high school girl American cliche about her blonde men. hair. Yeah and like her really adds to it. The innocence mm. of it. Like, yeah, she she's a very confusing character. I you know, Johnny Depp does a very compelling performance in my opinion. Uh mm-hmm. Winona Ryder probably in some respects does it. We've probably contradicted what we said now. She does a good job of being an absolute cow to start with. And there's an arc there, but we're just missing the middle part of the arc to yeah. show that yeah the sort of oh this is why I'm in love with you because I've seen the error of my ways
1: no I was gonna say I think with mainstream Hollywood there's always a cause and effect and here there was no cause and effect which I mean I feel like in a lot of European dramas it works because a lot of them are just based on real life so it literally is what happens Without coincidence, it just happens, right? Hmm. Whereas in this, it doesn't work because there was always a cause and effect up until the point where they fell in love. Because it's like we can understand from Johnny Depp's point of view, Edward's point of view, why he falls in love with Kim, but we never understand from Kim's point of view why she fell in love with Edward. There was no reasoning for it, like zero reasoning.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. And she goes from can't even remember the guy's name, but the douchebag's name that she's actually, I think his name is Jim. Jim. Yeah, Jim. Jim Jim and Kim. Jim and Kim. Kim. Didn't actually think about how corny that sounds. I don't think Tim Burton actually really really perused the script enough to realise how corny <laughs> the names were in this script. I thought
2: they did it
1: on purpose.
2: Oh, and the dad was called like Bill or something as well.
0: Jim, Jim, no,
1: but I think Jim. they I think they did it on purpose because um they wanted to articulate smaller towns the way they act in america because that's what they that's what i've heard at least i've never been to america so i don't know Uh, i might be wrong but from what i know that this is what small towns do they're all very like interrelated like everyone knows everyone and what's going on all the gossip and innocence and whatnot and like i don't know if you've watched it you might have watched it because i mean you might not have at the same time because it's like an indie b-film noir from like the 60s the, it's the naked kiss by samuel fuller oh i have so,
0: heard of the naked kiss that is a very interesting you? film yeah, yeah yeah
1: but it basically like exposed small towns for not being as innocent as they're portrayed and i feel like this is the exact same thing that tim burton is going on that we're seeing the stereotypes of small towns coming to life here but he's actually going into it and being like look that's yeah. not what's going on
0: no, and I feel with um, with this one, it's a lighter version of what David Lynch does. I don't know if you guys know mm-hmm. Blue, Blue Velvet, the film Blue Velvet with Carmen it. It's a very, it does the same thing where it looks at the small town and sort of goes underneath into the dark, seeping underbelly of this, what seems like a perfect white picket fence town, you know, except that's much weirder because it's David Lynch. Anyone who lo- loves or knows David Lynch as a director, he's just very strange, like from the get go. But with Tim Burton, it's a little bit more family friendly and it's a little bit more basic of good Mm -hmm. versus evil. But then again, it's not because of the fact that we've got this character who's portrayed as being evil at one point for not understanding certain codes and conventions of. Human life, really, to be honest, and the rights and wrongs, and also making very childlike mistakes. You know, he thinks that by helping him out with her friends and rob this house, rob the guy's house. Also, that's the other thing that's messed up about this. Why does he rob his own house? I mean, I know it's explained, but it's just so weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's but just it's just so quite, weird. It's
2: just dramatic. Like you can wait. Like, I don't know, like it just felt so like it just felt like such a stupid thing to I think
1: go and do. Jim was meant to be annoying though. We were meant to be yeah, against Jim yeah, no. from the get go. Like yeah. we really were, because he was toxic. He was like the stereotypical jock. He was you know like the high school jock like oh everyone looks up to him but he's actually not a nice guy at all like that, that's literally yeah. what this was I think taking yeah. all the again stereotypes that's yeah. what Tim Burton does with a lot of his films because Dark Shadows is one of my favourite films Aww. like I love Dark Shadows and nobody does it got such a low rating <laughs> but I love it I love low rated films I don't know why Jack and Jill it's all explained so when I watch Dark Shadows I feel like it plays on the same point that you know you've got this kind of like witchy character who again is the other and um, Tim Burton basically explains why it's wrong to go against the other and because you'll be punished like
2: that's basically
1: it.
0: Essentially if someone's different to you and you don't accept them bad things will happen. Yeah yeah, <laughs> is yeah. The long he's end talking about it.
1: himself he's definitely talking about himself he's that's definitely, what's going on here.
0: Yeah I think Tim Burton is an oddball in himself so it's not surprising that he would reflect himself in some kind of Mm-hmm. Shape or form in his films uh, And that's definitely I think Edward hands And Frank Mweenie Those ones All those productions Where he's produced them Directed them Those ones Jack Skellington All these characters Who are very much they are in their own world and they sort of rule their own world as it were. So for Edward Scissorhands, it's the castle. So Edward in his castle, in his domain, where he ends up by the end of the film. And, you know, Jack Skellington, it's Halloween town. But it's all about, I think, Tim Burton films really do address that whole coming out of your shell, living out of the box and trying something new. But then looking at the consequences of that mixture of one type of person with a very different type of person. So, Kiati. Moving on to the next part of this episode, I'm going to talk to each of you about your favourite moments from the film. I have a particular Mm -hmm. favourite moment from the film, which we haven't actually touched on yet, which I'm very glad about, actually, because I want to talk about it. And it's literally one of my favourite things ever in terms of cinema. And it looks so aesthetically pleasing then to the eye. But I'll start off with you. What is your favourite moment in the film? And then we'll move on to Cody in just a second. What's your favourite moment from Edwards' hands? would you say? Or do you have a couple?
1: I have a couple I would say two actually so for me I wasn't there wasn't a point in the narrative where I'm like oh this is my favorite bit I don't really have a favorite bit of the narrative I feel like it's all quite same it's not it's not very high (laughs) for me it was more about the aesthetics and because especially with Tim Burton being an auteur so I would say my favorite bit was probably at the beginning actually the Avon bit when we're exposed to the houses because they're so colourful, and then you are exposed to the castle, which is so dark and gloomy. And I feel like the juxtaposition between the two is so prominent, and you're meant to suss it out. Because okay, have you watched the 1989 version of Batman, which is Tim, but like one of, of Timber?
0: Of course, it, who hasn't seen the 90s? I bet Cody's going to say she hasn't seen the <laughs> <laughs> Batman. <laughs>
2: no i haven't
1: the 1989 version of batman like you know you're exposed to tim burton the proximity of like one of his first features i would say i think it's one of his first features and you know it's very dark and gloomy i mean you you can expect that for batman but even along the way when you see the mise-en-scene in any of tim burton's films it's really really dark you know take dark shadows for example or Coraline, or the corpse bride they're all very dark Colored films. And so for me, it really stood out for the first time that you're seeing color, bright pastel, vivid colours in your face. Mm. And everyone's dressed up so vividly as well, you know. And so when she's going to the door, she's like, Avon, she's smiling away. And there's no sadness from the beginning. There's no, you know, you don't expect any bad thing to happen. You don't expect a dark ending. You're expecting a happy ending from the get-go. But as we progress along, it makes so much sense as to why everything looks that way. Mm. Like it's just about the appearance versus the reality of things because it looks so bright. It looks so amazing. It looks so appealing to the eye, but yet if you actually get into it, the, actual good person in this story is edward because he's naive Mm. and he comes from this darkness he's born out of this darkness but he's not the dark one it's the Mm. people in the town who want to believe the worst in other people so it's contradictory i really like that contradiction because you know number one there's a juxtaposition in itself when you look at it but there's an even further juxtaposition when you analyze it and i think my second favorite bit would be you know when edward has that whole meltdown in the house
0: oh, and he starts
1: him, yeah. cutting at everything mm, you know and he cuts yeah. at the wallpaper and i think that for me really stood out because you finally see him having to cope with human emotion and his way of coping with it is through anger and frustration but because he's got scissors as hands and that's his only form of communication it looks like he's purposely tearing everything apart but if we saw someone with normal hands do that it just looks like they're having a mental breakdown yeah so it's Again, the monstrosity of appearance versus the actual monstrosity in the heart. Because if you look at it, who was the violent one in the end? Jim. And Jim wanted to kill Edward. Edward didn't want to kill Jim. Edward just happened to kill Jim.
0: No, exactly. And also, I think it's interesting you bring up the whole contrast between the light and the dark, the colourful and the dingy and the shadowy and more very noir-like then, even though we're still in the territory of colour here. I do think that, you know, Edward Scissorhands is a very, we've mentioned it briefly before as well, that it's an exploration of emotion and the human condition. And also it's kind of a nice, it's got a nice little, in my opinion anyway, I don't know, probably reading way too much into this but it's got a nice sort of feeling of if you're different and you're on the outside doesn't necessarily mean that those in the group in the in crowd so the happy people and uh, the townsfolk of you know all these happy go lucky white picket fence people in edward scissorhands they may seem like they're living a normal happy life but really their lives of are really devoid of anything true and meaningful And that's what you get from the relationship between Edward and Kim. Even though the character arc of Kim is questionable, ultimately the end game of it, where you get that connection between someone who is very angsty by nature, and you kind of, it exposes this teenage angst as one thing, as being rebellious against the norm, but at the same time saying, maybe they're not the weird ones. Maybe it's the adults that are the weird ones. They're the ones that are a bit extreme. Before I move on to my favorite part, Cody, do you have a favourite part of the film? I know you're a little bit more newer to the film, but do you have any mm. specific moments that jumped out to you as, I don't know, resonated with you or you just liked in particular from any aspect?
2: Yeah, so mainly I just love the way Johnny Depp plays this innocence. I think it works perfectly with like what actually is my favourite moment, um, which is like the TV interview. The reason it's my favourite is just because of the commentary. I think it's a great way to show how someone can easily become exploited like if you look at like child stars or like anyone like that like I think by the media people can become exploited very easily and I think Mm -hmm. with Edward I think his like innocence that Johnny Depp portrayed and like his naivety I don't even think he really understood what was even happening or why people were paying him so much attention and I just Mm -hmm. I really liked that I think it was a good like and even like the way that people were commenting like the questions they were asking like do you have a girlfriend like oh all of these things are asking like really private questions personal questions um it kind of just reminded me of like what celebrities go through now like no matter who they are and I just quite liked that because I do I, I like social commentaries
0: excellent and I I, I do agree with you I've, even though we've kind of we spent the first half of this episode basically slagging as a of hands off for being quite basic <laughs> and having quite a few little plot gaps here and there and a few characters issues from Person to person. I do think at the end of the day, the hardcore emotional message of this film is very clear. And we've already sort of said that. But for me personally, as a visual lover, I love my visuals in my films. My favorite moment, and I don't know whether you guys, you know, you probably think, oh, it's the classic one, you know, everybody knows that it's in the trailer. I I don't really care, to be honest. My favorite moment of the film, I like all the moments you've mentioned, but specifically the bit that I like the most is the most visual part where there is no dialogue, just music. And I'd like to highlight Danny Elfman's score in this, because Danny Elfman is just... Obviously, he's Tim Burton's next man, like, right-hand man for music and everything. But, like, it's just perfection, honestly. And it's the scene where Edward is making ice sculptures. He's making an ice sculpture, Mm -hmm. and he essentially creates... It looks like it's snowing, even though it's just shards of ice, which, to be fair, they're so thin, they look like snow. But I think if he was just a fraction bigger, Kim might be dead before the end (laughs) of the actual film. Because she got stabbed by ice crystals.
1: Hell. I was thinking about that.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, I'm surprised actually. She's dancing. It's, it's a beautiful moment. This is the thing. I really love it. Shot so, like it's not done with cheesy, crappy slow motion or anything like you would have nowadays. It's done genuinely and honestly. It really looks nice. The way the, I'm going to call it snow for now. The snow looks as it fades past Kim as she you know she looks all like doe-eyed and like you say she's got that teenage American blonde girl innocence in her then that sort of that real picture of innocence and purity then and she's wearing white as well if I remember rightly so she's you know (laughs) she's experiencing what she is believing to be true love I suppose the first sign of true love I would say in this and she's looking really happy for probably the first time in the film despite the fact that she hated the guy in the first place and doesn't understand how she likes him now but we'll ignore that for now (laughs) it's a beautiful moment and I love to ruin it no Uh, it's a really nice moment and Like I said It's very surprising How she didn't get blinded By the ice I'm not going to lie It's clearly been choreographed By the filmmakers To look really beautiful And pretty Uh, But yeah How she didn't get blinded By the ice I have no idea but it's ultimately one of my favorite moments because the way the music is like the music for the film in general is another highlight for me of this film it's very haunting it's very ethereal and it adds to that sort of grand castle ghostliness that you get so it goes back to like the old black and white days of a universal monster movie to the likes of the 1930s dracula the actual frankenstein films as well as the as well as the actual essence of the source material for the books as well I just Danny elfman does a great job in I want to say horror fantasy family horror scores then should we say because Tim Burton's movies by and large are not unsuitable for many audiences of all ages apart from Sweeney Todd because you know <laughs> Sweeney Todd that's not one to, that's not one to show your your young child uh, unless you are accompanying them but I think Danny Elfman's score at the end of the day is a really ethereal ghostly thing that I just can't help but appreciate whenever like when I watch that scene that's why I like it because it goes back to the old Hitchcock thing of showing rather than telling through dialogue and you're talking about you know what this emotional journey between these two characters who polar opposites of each other, but at the end of the day, they've come together to form some sort of union. It's sort of explained in that for me personally, it is in that scene where you see her bathing in this snowy glaze and she sees him. And the snow at the end of the day is brought back at the end of the film as well to Indicate that that's the symbol of their love for each other. I suppose the the mm-hmm. moment of bonding. I, I you could say.
2: I like how at the end, um, after she's like finished telling the story, how it goes back to him and he's still making ice sculpture ice sculptures and like he is making one of her at the end, isn't he again?
0: I believe so. yes mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah,
2: that's what I thought. I like how it kind of tied that together, and I quite liked that.
0: What are you gonna say, um, Kiati?
2: Yeah, I was just gonna say I feel like it's really epitomized in
1: that one kind of shot like the distinction between the two but yet they come together because mm. of this kind of like romanticization of like his hands
0: at the end of the day that's what this film is about a girl who fancies really a, a guy with scratches on his face and scissors for hands at the end of the it's, day it's a wacky film it's a strange it's like,
2: film it's like joyce as well i think that's her name joyce the um yeah. the one of the women in the neighborhood yeah she's very strange <laughs> I just, yeah, like what? I don't have much to say about her other than the fact that she just made me feel strange. Like when, when like he's giving her the haircut. And she's yeah I mean, that
1: was forever really but she was just like... an odd character <laughs> oh god honestly no, that made me feel really uncomfortable
0: it's just the she whole ended. subplot of uh, that Joyce is that she is the one that owns the hairdressers isn't she if I remember correctly mm. that one yeah she mm. it's the whole storyline of him being falsely accused of it's yeah. a really strange thing of how it's such a throw like nowadays we notice these little comments but it's just a throwaway moment where he raped me and it's just it's really strange to see it like it's such a it's a dark thing to say in the middle of a arguably a family-friendly film, it's just thrown away on the side. I just I, I don't yeah. know really what the intention was of putting that in the script, really, other than just saying, Oh, he's he's childlike, he's innocent, he got tricked into something. He doesn't really understand the implications of something that he's done, even though he hasn't done it, and that she, mm. making out she's a spiteful woman. I don't it kind of it's a bit weird, isn't it? It's a bit strange. It yeah. feels a bit out of place in a way.
2: Especially because it wasn't ever really brought up again, apart like just in that conversation, because she was saying it and then she was like, Oh, imagine because Kim's living with them as well. And then that was, it was never brought up again. Mm. And I think it was probably all just to play into the fact of how people have sort of gone against him and how things things spread through a neighborhood. Um, yeah, I think. Close. I think you're right
1: I think you're talking about like again that um corruption within small towns but no one ever questions it because Mm -hmm. everyone because they're meant to be naive they're meant to be innocent so everyone just like plays it off like yeah whatever it's cool and I feel like also being made in the 90s now we can have an open conversation about these things because we've made movements towards it whereas back then it was kind of quite brushed over nobody really questioned it like you could say anything and really get away with it like it wasn't something you really examined
0: Uh, and you get the likes of well for instance you look at that post-credit scene in toy story 2 which is now famously not in it anymore if you look on any of the latest blu-ray disney plus versions of it the one that's a, a casting couch outtake it's now out now been removed for that very reason and it, and that was the 90s as well that was the late 90s so it just really shows how different a time that era was and yeah. how you could just insert something and it would just be a bit throwaway, away but it was always mm-hmm. there but at the end of the day I don't know, you guys, we've done a great talk there. I feel like we've crammed so much into such a small space of time, but I've genuinely enjoyed sort of hearing you guys talk, letting me talk as well. You know, it's all about the conversations. I've enjoyed it so much. I, I wanted to sort of conclude this with what would you rate Edwards's hand very briefly, very quickly? Like out of five stars, how would you rate it, Kiatti? A three and
2: a half.
0: Three and a half. Cody?
2: Yeah, I'm going to give it around a three. I'm indecisive. We'll go through three. Sounds <laughs> like four.
0: No. You see, visually, I'd give it a four because there's mm-hmm. stuff that could be improved. That was what I was going to say. But it's really good. Story-wise, yeah. three to three and a half, I would say, based on the things that we've pointed out. But yeah, good talk. <laughs> 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 That's really all I have to say on Edward's hands. Before we go, guys, I... I Thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure having Thank you. Thank you so much for, having, for having us. It's <laughs> absolutely brilliant. And I can't wait to talk to you about Johnny Depp in a bit more detail on your episode, which will be going out sometime soon, I imagine, after this one has gone out. Uh, I look forward to that very much. That's going to be a very cool conversation. But before we go, are there any films? I just wanted to very quickly, Kiati, favourite film that you're looking forward to? Uh, that's coming out later this oh. year. That soon, like because obviously now we can go back to cinemas. We can watch things at the cinema again. I, I, haven't there, oh. well, I, I haven't watched Cruella yet. Oh, that's what
2: I was going to say.
0: Cruella yet? You see, yeah, yeah.
2: I've seen the hype. I want to watch
0: it. Oh yeah, I heard Cru- it's better than Joker. Cruella looks very. I mean, to be honest, I think because it's that Disney character and it's not comic book character, then I feel like there's more of a space to be fun with it and have mm-hmm. that fun. Joker is very like, I don't know, very quick diversion, but Joker, I left the cinema feeling very like not high, but like high on like a uh, adrenaline kind of like very, mm-hmm. very, I don't know, heightened in a way after that final rebellion, that final scene. Cruella, I feel will just be massive fun. I've heard lots of things about the soundtrack. So, you know, both of you guys are on the same, we're all on the same page here. But Cody, obviously you said Cruella, but is there any others that you're looking forward to at all?
2: Oh, I don't know. Cruella was really the one that was going around my head there. I can't think. I can only think of like TV series that have been pushed back that I want to
0: watch. Yeah, any any TV series?
2: Sex Education on Netflix.
1: Oh, same, same. Mm. I'm waiting for that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm excited. Obviously, since we mentioned Winona Rider, you know, Stranger Things season four. Yeah,
1: yeah. When
0: that comes, which I think might be next year, I think now. So sad. But I'm okay. looking forward to that as a cinematic televisual piece. I'm looking forward to it. And also, you know, we are Winona fans here. We love Winona yeah. Rider. For me personally, I don't know if you guys have seen the trailer. Last night in Soho, I am very, Ooh, I'm excited for that. Very jazzed for that. It. I really am excited to see it. It looked the trailer looks immense. So it like, I don't, know, I know what French you
1: Dispatch is coming out the same day as well.
0: <gasps> oh, French Dispatch. Looking yeah. forward to that. Get get some more quirky Wes, An- Wes Anderson out there gotta to, gotta to get some quirkiness in there that is all i really have to say guys i feel like i'm just gushing a little bit here because you guys are just so good at the talk and you have some great things to say so thank you so much for coming on
1: thank you so much for having thank us you. we really really
0: appreciate it no not a problem at all and i look forward to guesting on your podcast as well so we'll get that arranged very soon um, yes. very very soon and that's a wrap on Take 97, a film podcast, the Edward Scissorhands discussion and collaboration episode with Film Fluence with me, your host, David Ingram, and...
1: Yati and Cody.
0: Thank you very much, guys. Hope to see you on the next episode. See you later. <laughs> Bye.
2: Bye. 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 <laughs>